everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast, everybody's favorite podcast, the, the Online, Online Warriors, Warriors podcast. podcast. I am Nerd Bomber, and I am joined by everyone's favorite co-host, Tech Tech. Tech we're, we're in sync today. This is just nailing it. Unfortunately, Illegal is not in sync with us because he is in a different location altogether. He is not by his recording equipment. He is on a little trip. But you can guarantee we're going to be finishing each other's sandwiches. Yeah, sandwiches. All right. We have a really exciting episode for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about the Humble Showcase which was chock full of really interesting games, as well as a trailer for a very popular game franchise, Five Nights at Freddy's. Which, Tactic, before we jump into it, you know, we always open the show with some like opening questions, burning remarks. Do you have anything on your mind this week? Yeah, I have a weird pro tip that is not a tip that I do personally, but it's a tip that I feel like I should do. You ever see those like finger strengthening things they're like they look like almost like nunchucks with a tension coil in the center mm-hmm. and not you want to like get loose... one of those i feel like i should do that year round because why do you need a strong grip what are you gripping it's not that i need a strong grip but every single you just want one relax every <laughs> single time every single year this time of year when like the outdoor projects start and you start being a lot less couch potato-y and start doing things, my hands are killing me because they go to doing nothing to doing everything. And man, if I just sat there squeezing those little grippy doodads, I'd be in better shape. I feel like another alternative is just to play more video games during the winter and then you'll be all set. I don't, I don't know that video games really do that level of like grip. Really? I am in it to win it. But I mean, you could play like if you got like a fight stick, get really into Street Fighter, probably grasp that pretty hard, you know, get really into it. I see your palms. They get sweaty. Knees weak. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll have to look into it. But I, I think I'm just going to sit there squeezing things and making eye contact with people while doing it. I'm going to feel very uncomfortable if you do that. That's the only way it should be done. All right. So jumping into that humble game showcase I was talking about earlier, before we kind of dive into every single game that we saw during the showcase, overall, I just want to say that this is probably the first showcase that I've seen in a while where I'm just like end to end, hands down impressed and not really bored. Like almost everything that I saw during the showcase was a darn right banger. Like, and I, I don't want to say it was an indie showcase because it wasn't. It was, I mean, I mean mobile games. Yeah. But like this did not come off as that in any way, shape or form. And that said, like indie games are fantastic, but there's generally sort of a, like a bar that they're kind of like teetering a little bit above and a little bit of low around. This was just exceeds expectations. Well, I think the neat thing too, I mean, humble games in general, like Humble is fantastic. It's a really great organization raising a lot of money for charity. But since they've started focusing on publishing games, they've had a really great collection of games under their mantle. Like they don't really miss all too often. A lot of the games that they've published so far win awards and are like indie darlings. And so to me, it's pretty impressive that they've managed to kind of curate such a collection of titles and I think a lot of the games that we saw during the showcase really just fall under that 
you know, pedigree of games that they're curating. Just great bangers. Also, it they seem to be like fantastically backed and we'll get into this a little bit more but like between the talent acquisition for both the artists the voice actors etc it's just it just it's 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 on another level it truly is and again i'm not saying that you know a lot of the showcases that we see xbox sony nintendo i'm not saying that those have been necessarily disappointing but there's barely been a showcase in the last like couple years where there really wasn't a lull. Everything that I saw, like it felt like it was paced really well. All of the games felt like they grabbed my interest, whether even if it wasn't in like a genre that I normally play, it was enough to like kind of pique my interest and be like, oh, you know, like something about it, whether it was the art style, the, you know, music, the just creativity or the team behind it grabbed my attention. Like I, I know I already said this, but I can't say the same for most of the other showcases that we've been seeing lately. AKA Sony Xbox. Y'all are dud spuds lately. Up your game. And, you know, there's a lot more showcases coming in the next month or so. I think there's a PlayStation 1 just next week that we'll probably be talking about on next week's episode. So maybe they'll prove us wrong. Who knows? I'm kind of going to go like game by game because it wasn't like a crazy number of games where we won't be able to talk about each one. And I feel like each game kind of had enough stuff for us to talk about at least a little bit. So the first one was Wizard of Legend 2. And this is a follow-up from Wizard of Legend from Contingent 99. But this is a sequel that's not actually being made by Contingent 99. They'll be consulting, but Dead Mage, which was the studio behind Children of Morta, is actually going to take the reins. And they're applying a more 3D style. And I think they're bringing some four-player co-op into play here. And especially compared to the first game, which you know, was more of like a 2D different arcadey art style. You know, this feels like a real evolution of this game IP. What did you think about this one? I agree that it's a really cool evolution to be able to play with friends. I hate the hoods. Why did they make them so pointy? That that was like, I couldn't figure out why I disliked this art style so much more than the first one and it's the pointy hoods i don't understand why you would go pointy hood there's no place for pointy hoods i'm just saying that but as far as like the overall view and the multiplayer action and the different color wizards i mean this looked awesome this was let's take the success of the first one and just build upon it to play with friends and really just keep on building and making this great this was again opening strong absolute banger I'm playing this with friends. Period. Are, are you gonna Are you gonna play it with me? I said I'm gonna play it with friends. Oh, okay. Well, on that note, I guess we're not friends. The next game that came up in the showcase was hashtag Blood. I think this was the only one that was a little like meh for me. And even then, it still looked pretty cool. Um, one of the things that they mentioned about this game is that the animation team was actually. You know, a lot of the members had worked on Nickelodeon pilots, and so they're kind of taking their learnings from, you know, television animation and kind of pivoting that into game design. And the the gist of this game is that you're, I don't know if it was a teenage person or just like a child. You're basically a girl. Hey, you're in high school. Was it high school? Yeah. Who is a regular, you know, student by day, but at night is a vampire hunter. And apparently are, are vampires in again between, you know, vampire survivors and Redfall. And now this like is vampire vibe coming back. I don't think vampires were ever out. I think it's been like 
they hit a peak and then then it's just been a slow trickle of content since i don't think they're out, they're out or in i think it's just that slow trickle see i felt like for a while vampires kind of took a back seat and like zombies had the big spotlight for a solid like five ten years like after the twilight phase then it was just like you know we're into zombie mode. We don't want to see anybody sparkle. But I feel like now they're making a comeback. I guarantee you. It's it, it's escaping me right now. I guarantee you there was still vampire content coming out through that lull. Anyway, so there's a lot of different elements to this. You know, it's a kind of side scroller, dungeon crawler, very, you know, cartoony animation style here. But it seemed like not only would you be obviously like taking on vampires, but it seemed like there was a lot of day-to-day stuff. Like they showed a clip of, you know, a text message exchange and you had to talk and befriend people in the high school and other, I think, vampire hunters. It looked very hand-drawn, kind of like in the vein of Cuphead, where a lot of like the animation style looked hand-drawn. So I think that was pretty cool. I don't know if this is my vibe personally, but I thought it was still a neat title and a neat showing. Yeah, I think art style, it, it's going to be very fun, very like slapsticky. I think the execution, it just it's not resonating with me. That's I'm kind of on the same page with you. This one has a great strong team, fun art style. It's going to be comedic for sure, but it wasn't something that necessarily drew me in as a, wow, I got to play this. And like, you know, I don't want to discount this game entirely because I think for me, it's just I'm not a huge fan of this art style in particular. Like I I don't. It's, it's place as Nickelodeon. It's, it's, it's right. not a video game art style. But, you know, I thought the same thing about Nobody Saves the World. And that was one of my favorite games that we played last year. Oh, that is a that's honestly a fantastic point because it's, it's it really is a similar art style. Right. So I don't want to, you know, discount it right off the bat. And you can't play with friends. You cannot play with friends. And I think that was a huge boon for Nobody Saves the World was the co-op action. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much without you. That's fair. But I mean, that's most things in life, right? Yeah. Speaking of art style, an art style that completely sold me on a game occurred in Breeze in the Clouds. So literally, immediately, you know, they show like the splash screen. And I was just like, this this is a game. Yes, this is what I will be playing because it shows, you know, the main character is this corgi who has a badass bandana and obviously is going to be doing some cool stuff. And like, you guys know me, cute animals in a video game. I'm playing it like I, I think it's clear cut. I think just saying that is underselling the game significantly. So I want to delve into the plot of this a little bit more aggressively. The plot is basically you are a dog who has elemental powers and there's various other creatures that have also powers of nature, but there's also villains that have powers of pollution. And so the nature versus the pollution is basically this this almost this like metaphor for nature is is the self-healing entity that can that can take back the world and fight pollution. And I really like that. I dig this vibe. I I we saw some some images of the villains and and how they are personifying these various pollutants. And I thought that was just executed fantastically. My only issue with this game was the fighting style. It had very much the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade style. Yeah, which, like that like 2D brawler type style game. Yeah, which I enjoy, but like it gets old very quick. So for me, that kind of video game is like a pick up, play a little bit and then put down. It doesn't have a big staying power. And that's the only thing that gets me concerned about this one. I did also like, you know, 
that they had an interview with the developer because this was one of the games from the Black Game Developer Fund, which is super cool and also like to support that. But they talked a lot about the soundtrack as well and how, you know, there's, I think, 70 plus different musical tracks throughout this game. And, you know, the developer worked with the composers to get a lot of different genres and, you know, kind of mixing up genres together. And from the music that they showed during the trailer, I thought it seemed really well put together. I love me some good music scores. So I'm also looking forward to that as well. I feel like if you compare a good musical vibe with different scenes in a game, it just works. Something like music ties things together very well. Yeah, for me, this is like I said, this is going to be I have to maybe try it out and see if it's got staying power. So speaking of musical vibes, this was not a new announcement because it's been announced before, but we got a closer look at Stray Gods, which is a role-playing musical that has a phenomenal cast. So I don't want to necessarily say this is like a telltale-esque game, but it definitely seems kind of in that vein where you're not necessarily playing like... So it's a decision-making game. I'm trying to kind of like give you a good idea. If you haven't watched this trailer, it's not like a Mass Effect where you're walking around and you're shooting things and like you get decisions at certain conversation points it is more in line with telltale and that the game is all about making decisions but the cool thing about this is that your decisions influence the music that you're making because this entire game is a musical and can we just talk about that cast not only can uh, this is my all-time number one this game i don't mean to oversell this game but when i watched this I got goosebumps, like legitimately when, when it first opened and it was going through the dis- the way the game is actually played, where they were singing and having a conversation. I was like, holy cow, this is going to be an emotional roller coaster. This is going to draw me in and I need to play this game. Unfortunately, it's exclusively on PC, so I just got to get that set up going. I mean, we do have a PC and we also have a Steam Deck and this seems like a great game to play. I mean, we don't know until a game releases how it will run on Steam Deck, but just given the nature of the game and the fact that, you know, you're just making kind of dialogue decisions, I think it'll probably run. And I'm not I'm not worried about Steam. I'm more worried about the clutter that is my office. No, I'm saying yo girl can hook you up with a Steam Deck so you can play this. Whoa. Whoa. But yeah, the voice acting cast has Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson, Felicia Day, Troy Baker, amongst so many others. I mean, the the music, one of the, I think the musical director is Austin Wintery, and he is phenomenal. I mean, if you don't know his musical scores that he's composed or who he is, highly recommend you look up some of his work because it's fantastic. And just the idea of this game, like, I don't think, and they said this during, you know, the cast interview, I think Troy Baker might have said this, but I don't genuinely think I've seen another game quite like this before. And I'm very excited. This looks super unique and I am really jazzed to play this. No notes. Another game. So I did not even know about the the prequel game to this, but Superland, Six Inches Inches Under. What? Superland, Six Inches Soft. Isn't that the name of the game? No, Six Inches Under. The joke, you know, went right over my head. I, I see what you did there, though. So I never played the 2019 game Superland. Didn't even really know that it existed. Tactic, did you? No, I didn't. And this is like puzzle me sideways because this looks fantastic. Sideways. I feel like this is a very you game. Is that wrong? Almost. And there was the one thing that got me. If it was just straight up puzzling and adventuring, I was good with it. The, the only thing that I felt like might annoy me in this game 
was there was those like skeleton monsters that I felt like you had to fight. I like to keep my puzzling and my combat kind of separate. I wonder, like, it might be coming in spurts, though. Like, you won't be having to solve a puzzle while you're doing combat, because I feel like that could be annoying. I'm, I'm hoping it's a catch them in a, in a mousetrap kind of situation, and you're not actually doing, like, hand-to-hand combat. To me, if that's what it is, that's that needs to be very important. But, like I said, this, is, this looks right up my alley. It looks like it's a little bit of portal meets, like... Human fall flat. In terms of, like, the aesthetic and, like, kind of puzzle-solving nature... If, if you can't remember, Tactic Human Fall Flat was the one where you latched on to me. It's the physics-based game where you're basically like a, a floppy, I know. nondescript character. And then you just kept latching on to me and wouldn't let me move. But that's not what it gave me the vibes of. It was It Takes Two Meets Portal was the vibes that I got. And like okay, okay. both of those games, Chef's Kiss, bangers. And the cool thing about this, and we always love Shadow Drops, the game was available on PC, PlayStation, and Xbox as soon as it was announced. So this is out now. You can go play it. You can go annoy the crap out of me by not solving the puzzle and just kind of flouncing around and being floppy if you want. I'll probably get this on Steam, honestly, because not only will me I have a friend with a Steam Deck, but also... I don't want to be tied anywhere. So mainly, yeah, the friend with the Steam Deck. Hi, you. You're welcome. <laughs> so another game, and this is one that Tactic was immediately like, yes. Well, I already seen this before watching this showcase. And like between the art style, uh, you guys know I'm a I'm a big fan of, of side scrollers. But the basic premise of this game is... Well, it's first of all, it's called Bow Path of the Teal Lotus. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You guys aren't looking at what I'm looking at. Yes. Bow Path of the Teal Lotus looks absolutely fantastic. It takes inspiration from a lot of like Japanese mythology and your this like surreal fox combat dude. It's a side scroller. It, this one actually gave me Cuphead vibes. Honestly, it, it gave me a Cuphead cross the uh, 2D Metroid. And you guys know Cuphead annoys me as long as it's not difficult like Cuphead. But Metroid, chef's kiss again. I, like I said, I, I hate to keep gushing off of every game, but like there was only like two that I was just kind of meh about. Everything just looks so good and just take my money. Just just take it. And like I know Illegal tends to rein us in if he's listening. Illegal, you typically do have the hot takes, I feel like a lot of the time. But I feel like this is the first time that even he probably would not have many notes on a lot of these games. Like, I feel like he would struggle to find some negativity in this stuff. I feel like the even the ones that I'm going to be negative on. So like the next one that that we're going to talk about, I'm going to be negative on. And ironically enough, he'll probably love this one. And that is Cataclysmo. Yeah, this one is not necessarily my cup of tea. This is a real-time strategy game where you have to build a castle and it's basically like tower defense. And all three of those things, I'm just like, hard pass. I've tried a lot of games in those genres and I tend to get annoyed. And this is just not my genre, but it looks really cool for people who would enjoy the genre. Yeah, kind of the same with tower defenses i have to be in a very specific mood and like the the ones that i've talked about before on the, on the show like possible creatures and things like that 
the things that attract me to those aren't necessarily the base defending. It's more that I get to make impossible creatures or, or weird kooky armies and the customization side of it. So maybe because this one isn't just drop in tower, drop in tower, drop in turret, that this could be a lot better than that because you're legitimately, it looks like brick by brick building your tower, which could add just a whole new element of customization. So I have hopes for this, but it's like a cautious optimism as opposed to just a blind hope. The other thing with this too that I do want to like compliment the game on is that it seemed like the story behind the game was pretty interesting. I couldn't really get a complete grasp of what the story was, but it seemed like a culturally steeped like dark fantasy where there's some like dark creatures coming to get you and you basically have to fight to you know keep humanity kicking and that's really what your castle building is trying to do during this game so maybe i'll just watch someone else play this and get the gist of the story and enjoy the game that way instead because that's also a very viable way to enjoy games we don't have unlimited time and you know sometimes you just gotta get the bits of story that you want and move on get to the business get down to business and you know Speaking of getting down to business, can we talk about Bossa Studios for a second? You know, this game studio, if you're not familiar, they're the ones behind Surgeon Simulator, and they also made I Am Bread. And so when I saw that they were going to have a game featured in the Humble Game Showcase, and, you know, they were saved for like the final big mega showing, the, you know, the massive star at the end of the showcase. I was just like, okay, maybe they got like a new Surgeon Simulator game coming on. Yeah, this was no. unexpected. Like, this like, was crazy. What? This was absolutely crazy. This was genuinely something that like my jaw dropped. I feel like when we were watching this, my jaw literally dropped. So what they showed us was kind of like a cartoon montage, like a, a kind of a story trailer where you're two people, you have like zipline things and there's dragons involved and you know you're in the air and you see some like big mega keep in mind at this point everything in the showcase had 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 some level of animated trailer and then it would go into the actual game which was like a 2d or like a just a, a narrow scope animation game not narrow scope but like what we traditionally think of when we think indie games okay continue so at the end of this you know, a little preview, then they show an in-engine version of the game, just this very short snippet. And holy smokes, it's 3D. It is gorgeous. My jaw literally dropped. It looked freaking phenomenal. The gist of the story is that it's basically a fantasy game where you're in the future and you're basically, humanity is kind of on its last legs. And you can either play solo or with friends. And you basically, humanity has now created civilization in the sky. And you have to basically build your own ship, which is super cool. I mean, if any of you were around for my Kingdom Hearts 3 phase and like the gummy ship part of that journey, like you'll know I was obsessed with building my gummy ship. So like, you know, I'm going to be obsessed about building a spaceship here. But you're basically journeying through the sky, doing stuff with ships. There's still a lot we don't know about this game, but it looks incredible. The story seems to be very original. I'm very much here for this. It gave me Treasure Planet vibes. Did you get that vibe at all? You know, I didn't immediately, but now that you said that, yeah. Did you ever play the the old game? It was on GameCube and PlayStation 2. Did you ever play that? I didn't know there was a Treasure Planet game. Dude, it was sick. One of the most underrated games of that generation. Go find it and play it. 
I will. I mean, we have the PlayStation 2. I'll literally, we can hop by my parents' house at some point and uh, pick that game up because I have it. It was great. So any last comments on, you know, Lost Guys or the Humble Showcase in general? My, my main question to you, if you're going to buy one game, okay, and it, and it can't be... Lost Guys? No, it, it can't be, yeah, it can't be Stray Gods. What are you buying? I mean, Lost Guys feels like a no-brainer, but I feel like that's kind of a cop-out because that's one of the most polished you know, games that they showed here. So I'm not going to include that one either just because, I don't know, that feels like a cop-out. But I would probably go with Wizard of Legend 2, weirdly. Weird. That wasn't even my second choice. Really? I like playing games with you. And so that one, you know, co-op gameplay is just fun. So Neat. Which one is yours? The Six Inches. Superland? Yeah, that's that would be my second choice. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, I could rattle off this very easily. Wizards would have been four. I mean, honestly, if Humble ever bundled all of these games Humble together. Bundle. Yeah, if they bundled all of these games together, Insta buy. Insta. I would get them all. So Humble did a really great job with these games, you know, curating this collection, curating their publishing collection of games. Phenomenal. I'm very excited for all of these games. I think anybody who really likes indie games, there's a lot to be excited about just from the showcase alone. I mean, I know there's always a lot to be excited about in the indie sphere anyway, but this stuff was just so cool, man. I'm so jazzed about this. 10 out of 10 recommend checking it out if you haven't done so already. Absolutely. So we're going to take a short little break and then we're going to come back to discuss a movie trailer. But before we do that, I need to give a humble and thankful shout out to our Patreon producer, Stephen Keller. Stephen supports us on our Patreon over at the night level. He has been with us for quite some time. And as a result of his patronage, he gets this shout out every week. He also gets to join us on our show every now and then. He actually will be on our show next week, which is super exciting. We're really looking forward to getting a chance to sit down and chat with him. It's always a good time to have him on the show. He also gets input into our weekly game segment, which unfortunately, because we are a man short this week, we do not have our weekly quiz segment, but it is a rambunctious good time. And there are high stakes of me potentially playing a scary game that I don't want to play at the end of the year. So if you want to be as cool as Steven, Go on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. We understand times are tight. And if you cannot support us at the night level, we have two other tiers that are at cheaper levels where you can get our monthly secret segments, our monthly vlog, and various other cool content. With that, we're going to head into our break and we'll see you in a little bit. Hey everyone, it's Nesgrax Skarsbrush, the dragonborn wizard who got married to a ghost man. Do you like audiobooks? Do you like fantasy? Do you like closure? Then you'll love Fire Breathing Kittens, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast. There's mystery, action, comedy, and friendship. And in my case, heartbreaking romance with a ghost man. Every episode is a one-shot with a complete plot and satisfying conclusion. So join us on our D&D quests and search for Firebreathing Kittens podcast for fantasy, action, mystery, and friendship. All right, and we are back from our break. And we're going to be talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. And Boo. First of all, I have to ask you, Tactic, have you ever played these games? No, it doesn't look fun. It looks terrifying. No, thank you. 
right? Like, so I understand. I don't like scary games, period, and does not seem like a good time. And I don't know where the fun comes in. But like, I do understand. So games like Dead Space, they are scary, but they're also like the scares are shrouded and a really good story, you know? Like, there's a good environment around them. There's a reason for the scary because it drives the story forward. Exactly. But the difference between a video game and a movie is you're literally having to fight yourself. You're all of your body telling you, hey, don't do this, to progress in the story. Whereas in, in a movie, if you're too terrified, it'll happen regardless. Well, no, but like, that's what I never understood about Five Nights in, at Freddy's in general is like, it just seems like jump scary stuff. And maybe it's just because I don't really understand the story or anything about the games. But every time I've watched somebody play this, like I've pulled it up on Twitch a couple times and I'm like, what is this game? Everybody seems to be like enamored with it. What is this about? And quite honestly, it just seems like you're waiting to get jump scared. And if someone could explain it to me like I'm five at some point, you can hit me up on Twitter at OW Nerd Bomber, or you can, I guess you can include Tactic in that too, at OW Tactic, or our main account at Online Warriors One. Someone explain to me what the point of Five Nights at Freddy's is, aside from just like surviving Five Nights. Yeah, and being jump scared to death, because that's what it seems like to me. And they've now turned that into a movie. I mean, it has been a very successful franchise, obviously, but they have turned it into a movie, and it's got Josh Hutcherson. And I'm very excited about that because he's Peter freaking Millar. Yeah, he's just going to like paint himself and survive all five nights. <laughs> Good to go. Bread. <laughs> no, but this actually looked really cool. So Josh Hutcherson plays, you know, the main character in a Five Nights at Freddy game, plays basically who the player is. I believe in the game you are like the security guard and you have to survive the night shift. And that seems to be what he is doing in this movie as well. And Honestly, it seems like it would make a really good scary movie. They seem to have gotten the vibe down. You know, the animatronic stuff is very scary. I did not like it. I'm sure it will be a very scary movie. And Shaggy is in it. Yeah. So like I was saying before, this works perfectly. Movies as like a jump scare thing are my jam. I can watch a scary movie. I won't quiver. They're your jam? They're not my jam. Well, you know what I mean. Like if I had to pick video game or movie... In the horror medium, I would pick every single time movie because even if it is too terrifying, I can sit through it. Now, couple that with the fact that this is you're taking a basically a creepy Chuck E. Cheese abandonedness and like spinning it off into something scary. That is fantastic. The concept of Five Nights at Freddy's is something that should have been made into a movie a very long time ago, and I'm surprised that it's been this long. This is a fantastic idea. I'm gonna need the research team to hop on this really quickly. But wasn't there just a Nicolas Cage movie that was kind of like a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's? It was like the Dollar Tree brand Five Nights at Freddy's. And I can't quite remember, but I feel like they did something very similar. And this almost feels like Five Nights at Freddy's saw that and was like, hey, we need to do like a legit movie about our game at some point. You're talking about Willy's Wonderland. Yes. Right? Wasn't that like basically bargain brand Five Nights at Freddy's, but with Nicolas Cage. Almost like they couldn't get the rights to Five Nights at Freddy's at the time. Yeah, weirdly, that is, I, this is the first time I hear about this, and this is exactly, that is exactly what it looks like. Yikes. This is, guys, watch Willy's Wonderland. It looks awful in like a good way. Check it out. I'm going to do it. So who do you think makes the better protagonist? I don't know if you can even call them protagonist, but I guess like survivor in this type of movie. Nicolas Cage or Josh Hutcherson? 
Nicholas Cage, he's going to smooch all these these creepy animatronic things right on the mouth. See, as much as I like Nick Cage and I think he gives us that kind of like insane zany vibe, I feel like he would play into being like a psychopath a little bit too much. And we have to watch the movie now to verify. But I feel like in terms of like being an innocent, unsuspecting survivor, Josh Hutcherson could pull that off way better than Nick Cage could. He just seems a little bit too grizzled, whereas Josh Hutcherson feels a little bit more innocent, like he wouldn't know what he got himself into kind of deal. Oh, no, this looks like a banger. I'm going through all the photos. We're watching this. I don't even care anymore. We, we need to do a study. Watch both of them now. You have just signed yourself up for not one, but two horror movies. You oh, guys, sounds terrible. We, this, is, this is what happened on the Online Warriors podcast. We'll have to dissect this. You know, I feel like this would be a really good... I don't know. We know a lot of like movie buff podcasts out there. The contrarians are out there. We see. We know you like movies. We know you like kind of like, I don't want to call them trashy movies, but we know you watch them with us. And we would love to hear you guys do a comparison of the two movies when both are out and easily comparable too, because I feel like that'd be fun. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So with that, we're going to dig into what we've been up to the last week. So I've probably have like two weeks worth of stuff since i wasn't around last week and thank you tactic for you know taking the mantle on there was some family emergency stuff happening and you're a real trooper doing a solo episode with that though i'm gonna make you go first what were you up to this week (laughs) all right so i'm gonna touch on two things that i've been up to i don't touch them i did i did put in some work onto the game boy game that i'm making it's really just a i wanted to not really dive into a full game but i wanted to dive into a sort of a a game that you can play that just says yay you got this nice gift from your nice friend wink wink shove shove spoilers for some people who aren't here and that's what i've been working on and then the other thing is well hold up though are you still planning on making a more complicated game i know at one point you were talking about making like an online warriors titled game I know you're kind of time crunched for the thing that you're making now, but do you still have plans to like figure out and make a larger version game or yeah. are you just going to like enjoy so what you've done? That's so sort of the beauty of what I'm doing now. I've not only had to make like the code myself, but I've also had to make my own custom music. So one of the things that I found is that Game Boy games only play on .xl files, at least the compiler that i am using needs it and i couldn't find a a song that fit what i'm doing in that file so i was literally finding sheet music of the song i wanted and playing the the song on the software that i was using and then exporting it as an excel file so i'm really getting into the nitty-gritty and while it's a very simple example it is giving me all the tools to be able to be successful in making my own game so i know there's probably Maybe not a huge community of listeners out there looking specifically to make a Game Boy game, but I find it really interesting. What software, I know you had been looking up a bunch of different like game development software specifically for the Game Boy. What did you end up landing on? Can you tell us a little bit about the, the entire process and you know where you kind of landed with that? So there's really easy drag and drop software for making Game Boy games because it's all sort of visual drag and drop, easy to use. However, that's for Game Boy games. I didn't want to make a Game Boy game. I wanted to make a Game Boy Advance game. And the the type of software that you use for the two different games is vastly different. So looking through various libraries and programming languages, Game Boy Advance games are actually 
ran more in C than they are, or Python than they are in, well, actually it's C and then my compiler is in Python, but, but they're definitely not graphic based. And so I'm using a Butano library is one that I found. He's a developer that kind of made his own library to make programming easier. Got to give credit to the devs. So thank you. I'm still learning. It is a easy to use, but also very difficult learning curve. So I'm getting there. And that is ultimately what I'm using. And it's all sort of to write my code. It's all C. Like it's not anything simple. So definite steep learning curve, but I recommend looking up the Butano libraries. It'll get you started if you're into it. So because it's, you know, not a drag and drop Game Boy specific thing because it's, you know, a standard programming language here. It Does that mean that you could, you know, if you successfully make the game, could you convert that to say like Steam at some point down the road? Would that be easy to do? I don't know. That's my honest answer. I, I don't know. I'm just worried about kind of exporting it as a GBA file and playing it for myself and maybe for my friends. If anything, what I'd probably do is honestly just put it on GitHub and if anyone wants to download it, they can download it. That's fair. I mean, I wasn't saying necessarily like to sell. I was just wondering, like, could it run on a PC then at some point? If you have the GBA emulator, like for the hardware, then yeah, you can play it. No problem. Because that's ultimately what I'm exporting it as is a .gba file. Very neat. Cool stuff. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about is we watched a movie called White Men Can't Jump. And I got to say, this is just a feel-good movie. It has a lot of like lessons learned. There's value in just taking a breath, honestly, guys. And it's just a good basketball movie. We've been on this like positive basketball kick lately, and I'm like here for it. So check out that movie. It's on Hulu, and it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, now that you mention it, there was, I don't remember what it was called, but there was the Adam Sandler basketball movie. And there was we watched Champions. Champions. Yep. I feel like there was another basketball movie that we watched recently, too. And I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like we have been on a basketball kick. And they're all good vibes basketball kicks. That's yeah. the important part. Air. That was the other basketball movie that we watched. That doesn't count. I mean, it was about basketball. It's it, about shoes. Yeah, I guess you're right. But lots of just basketball. Lots of basketball, which is funny because we don't really watch basketball, but we watch basketball movies. So with that, I'll kick it over to you. All right. So I did finish Outlander in the realm of books, and I've moved on to the sequel, uh, Dragonfly and Amber. And I'm I'm not struggling. The first 200 pages are a little bit of a, a slog. And then I got past that, and now it's picking up a little bit. I always have this problem. And Tactic, I know you have read some series as well. But do you like to take breaks between like different books within the same series or do you just kind of go one right into the other? It depends. So there are in the teen fiction realm of book series, a lot of times those subset of books leave you on a cliffhanger and they kind of put you in a situation where you're forced to flow right into the next one. Whereas some more I guess you'd call adult series books, they're more just a continuation of the story and each one can be wrapped up as its own standalone. So when you have that situation, I I don't mind taking a break from the series. I think my biggest issue, and I, it's been a little bit, a hot minute since I've read a series. I think the last one was the Murderbot Diaries. And I feel like the transition between books there wasn't that difficult because they didn't do a whole lot of rehashing. 
But I feel like because in the Outlander series, the books are so long and I think there was a decent amount of time between each entry. And like I have the first eight books all at once now. There's a lot of pages spent kind of reintroducing you to the characters and rehashing what happened. And I struggle with that. And it's like a hundred decent pages of a lot of like referencing back and explaining things that I literally just read. And I always find that so difficult, but I also don't want to wait because then I feel like if I do take a break from a series and then come back to it, I'm going to forget stuff that happened. And like the explainers are never enough where you get all of the details. You know what I mean? No, I, I use the explainers religiously, but that's because I'm a seasonal reader. I guess that's fair. There's a lot of characters and like little details, especially in Outlander, because there's a lot of like historical references and like ties to the future and the past. And like I need to figure out after I finish Dragonfly and Amber, which like I said, it's good now that it's picking up a lot of rape, though, which is a very weird, very weird story mechanic. There's a lot of it. Not that there's necessarily like not that you shouldn't write about it, but there's just a, a lot of it. I need to figure out if I want to continue like mainlining these books or if I want to break it up a little bit and inject some other books in between and maybe come back around in a little bit. But they're still enjoyable. Then on the television show front, we've started watching a show called Good Girls, which I believe is out in its entirety on Netflix. It was on network TV. It had, I can't remember her name, Christina Hendricks. I do remember her name. She was in Mad Men. Um, she is one of the main characters. Uh, Retta is another main character. And Mae Whitman kind of rounds out the, uh, the trifecta. And they're essentially all f like mom, sister, friend, and they all find themselves in a tough financial spot and they decide that they are going to solve their financial woes by robbing the bank that Mae Whitman's character works at. And that all happens within the first episode. And once that happens, there's a snowball of shit that just lands at their doorstep they have to figure out. And the series just progresses from there. And, you know, there's some things you know as someone who lived by the canadian border for a little bit there was like a canadian border scene where i'm like this could never happen in real life because i know what it takes to cross the border and they would not be able to do this there's a lot of just like little things like that where sometimes you scratch your head and you're like oh this wasn't fairly well researched but it's also still really entertaining and uh retta is really freaking funny like she just is. she's Her character the only is so funny realistic one honestly like she doesn't have to say anything but like she does these mannerisms where she's like what the fuck and it's like yes what what say something please so watch it just for her if anything but yeah i'm finding it really entertaining regardless of the the weird little things that you're like this would never happen in real life most tv would never happen in real life and sometimes you just need to turn your brain off and watch a show and just enjoy it and that is what is happening and also we mentioned Shaggy before in Five Nights at Freddy's. Shaggy is also in this show as well. And I'm also on the final front, the gaming front. I am currently still playing Inscription. I really, I was picking up the game, so I didn't realize there were multiple acts of the game and I don't want to spoil anything. I'm just going to say there are multiple acts of the game, but I was basically just picking up the game and playing like a card game or two at a time, saving, quitting taking like a week off. And then when I was in the mood for a card game, I'd pick it back up again for an hour. I did not realize that there are multiple acts to progress through. So I finally finished the first act and I didn't really realize that I did it. 
and it is very cool. I have to say, if you know, I know I mentioned the game before, it is a very fun cross. It's kind of like an escape room rolled into a deck building card game, rolled into a roguelike game where you know you make different branching decisions, and every time you die, you reset at the beginning. It's very cool. I've never played anything quite like this. There's like found footage stuff happening too. That's about all I want to say because I don't want to spoil anything. It is very cool. Definitely recommend you give it a shot. It's another indie game. I know we've been like heralding indie games, but they're fantastic. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. I know it's been out for a few years, but I'm a little, you know, I'm on the backlog bus. So choo-choo, here we go. Very cool. So with that, that's the end of our show. But before we leave, we just want to let you guys know that you should always stay safe and keep on podcasting. And stay tuned next week. We will have a mega cast. Illegal will be back on the show and will be joined by the wonderful Stephen Keller. We can't wait. We hope you can't wait. And stay stay safe safe and and keep keep on on podcasting. podcasting.